you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won him over. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which you are praying, it shall be granted to you by my heavenly Father. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who knew 2,000 years ago Jesus would given, give us a methodology for negotiation, how to get along, how to speak, how to solve problems, how, how to surface an issue and address it. In today's example, he cites your brother or sister has something against with you. But, but I want to go a little further than that. Who decides what's right and wrong? Who decides what's good and bad? Jesus gives us a method today to deal with hurt and pain and division. If everyone agrees to the methodology. Paul and the other apostles call us to love one another. And Jesus tells us to gather the church together. And the church doesn't necessarily mean this the building, or even the whole community. But going back to the language of the day, ecclesia, assembly, people, witnesses, other people, not just the religious church with a cross on top of the building. And our invitation today from Paul through Jesus is to imitate no one other than Jesus and the love that he has for us. And Paul says, you know, it, you owe nothing to anybody but to love one another. That's 
Interesting, he starts out with nothing, and then he zooms into love, which is God-like behavior. Can another person's sin encourage us to do good? Let's look at it from that perspective. We are God's people. In, in the book of Ezekiel, we have Ezekiel being appointed as a sentinel. I've appointed you as a watchman for the house of Israel. He's not one person in a tower watching over one house. He represents God. And that sense of responsibility is called corporate responsibility from the Old Testament. That we're all to watch out for one another. So the, the house of, of Israel are one another, are people. In the, Old, in the New Testament, that will be the ecclesia, the gathering. We're, we're obligated to look out for one another. Why? Because the mandate is to love one another. Now the problem is, for 2,000 years, we've had this mandate, the Christian mandate. But we haven't made ourselves visible and a viable enough force in society to get society to listen to God's word in Jesus Christ. And to have society hold on to the mandate, the only thing we, we have to give one another, the only thing we owe one another, is to love one another. We read our papers, we can look at the news, we can tweet, whatever it is, and we realize that's not going on. But yet I still think we are mandated, we the Christians, the believers, are mandated by Jesus Christ to pursue actions of justice, of cooperation, pursue actions that fight against division and prejudice. I mean, we could take the issue that Jesus gives us, the example Jesus gives us, and say, well, that's just between someone and his or her brother. It's not. It's not. Jesus gives us an example of us in relationship to the ecclesia, to the world, to the assembly, to one another. So that personal responsibility and the corporate responsibility that the, that the Jews held on to come together with Jesus. Yet love one another, and you know what John says about that, it's easy to love those that love you, but it's those that, that you don't love. We're still obligated to love and respect and deal ju with justice. So we have to, in this multi-religious society of the world, we're supposed to stand out as Christians. If we really believe that Jesus is the way to the Father, then we have to stand out as Christians in our actions. And sometimes we gotta look at ourselves, we hold a big mirror up to ourselves and we realize there's hypocrisy in the world, there's hypocrisy in the church, there's hypocrisy in our own families. There's hypocrisy in our own country. But still, we need to get a clear picture of the me in society, the society of the church, and decide, who am I going to follow? What mandate am I going to follow? Oh, Jesus says, if you have a problem with one another, discuss it and bring in witnesses. But, but who's going to decide that? Well, Christ is, is the key. Christ is the law. Paul makes it very clear. What you owe one another is to love one another. And sometimes the events in society and the events 
in our daily activities or the events of our leaders, whether they're presidents, governors, pastors, get under our skin because sometimes they seem to be saying the opposite. They seem to be encouraging dissension. You know, my side versus your side, his side versus her side. But we as Christians have to go deeper. And the law that we're following is Christ's law of love. So maybe another person's sin or a leader's tweet, comment, behaviors can encourage us in the opposite way to look at the fault that we deem he or she is stating, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our society, our neighborhood, look at that fault, look at that, that irrational commentary, look at that irrational behavior, and be challenged by that to do the opposite. So another's fault can, I think, encourage us to do good if we don't take sides right away, black and white, them and us, one corner into another. Because, again, we use Paul's mandate, our obligation is to love one another. Even those that bother us, even those that get under our skin. And, you know, love is like, <laughs> love is like taking a shower. You could take it once and you're clean. But, you know, tomorrow you're going to have to take it again, and the next day, and the next day. You take a shower once and think you're clean for the week, or mm, ain't, you stink, right? So I think love is like that. Love is not just a one-shot deal. Love is continuous, a continuous challenge that if we want to stay clean-hearted, we need to go back to the root. We need to go back to the foundation of who we are as Christians. And when we are challenged to do what is good, what is right, then we can stand and not complain we can stand, we can let our opinions be known, but we don't have to riot. We don't have to create more chaos. We don't have to support hate. We don't have to support actions that are just so demeaning to our human corporate nature. See, society is right there for us. Open the newspapers, look at society, look, look at what it offers us. Some things that are so contrary to what we believe as Christians, but that's a challenge for us. We don't have to necessarily fight it. We don't necessarily riot for it. We don't necessarily have to protest against it, but we have to act in justice against it. We have to learn from it. We have to look at the opposition and try to appreciate his or her opinion, even if we don't agree with it. Why? Because we still love the opposition. <laughs> These are not my words, it's Scripture's words. To love one another. That's what we owe one another. No matter how wrong the other person is, then we come back and then we can negotiate what's right and wrong. But if you don't like it, it's not enough just to react with more vengeance and more animosity. Now, you could take that into public arena, take it into our own families, into our own lives. Someone hurts another person, so our obligation now is to hurt them even more? Our obligation? I'm sorry, we're not... We've been given Jesus. We've been given Jesus. And he gives us the way. Now, last week, 
um, we have a friend sitting in the front row. And last week, remember, uh, Jesus talks about Peter and he says, follow me. He says, get behind me because he didn't like what Peter was saying. So last week, when we left church, someone said to me, Father, you know what Jesus was really saying? You've got to follow me because I'm the way to the Father. Thank you, Chris. So after church, Chris says to me, in a sense, I could have given you a homily. He didn't say that. But he got the simplicity of the message of Jesus and presents it to us, presented it to me, in a very simple way. You want to get to the, to the Father? Follow me. Not this one, not that one, not those rules, not these rules. Follow me. Go back to Paul. Me, Jesus speaking, is love. God is love. So if we want to get to the root and heart of our society and success in our society, we need to follow the rule of love. We need to follow him because he leads us to the Father. And the Father is not a politician. The Father is not a diplomat. The Father is a loving God who looks at us with all our weaknesses and all our strengths and encourages us to imitate his son. And how many times have we said it? The greatest reward that his son got was the cross. But God did him one better in resurrecting him. To showing us the son will give himself completely, but the father's in charge. And we're here on this earth individually and as an ecclesia, as a, as a society, to imitate no one less than God, epitomized in his son, Jesus Christ, human and divine at the same time. So very often we need to realize the first thing we need to do with one another, with whom we are in disagreement, society, governor, president, neighbor, wife, child, is pray for one another. Now, when I was in the seminary, we had these prayers of the faithful that we, you know, the prayer of the faithful, it's called the intercessions. But they were open. In other words, people from the congregation, and they're all seminarians. People from the congregation used to voice their prayers, which is good. And I, when we have a smaller mass, I ask people to voice their prayers for the intention for the day. But you got to realize, we have to realize, prayer is not a manipulation to get God seeing things my way. Prayer is me trying to see things God's way. Every once in a while in the seminary, you'd have these holier-than-thou seminarians praying out loud. It was therapeutic for them. They didn't know it, or I knew it. Uh, they didn't do it consciously. But they would pray for, I'll, I'll make up a name. I'd like to pray for my dear, now, first of all, they never na mentioned names, okay? So when the guy is praying, the whole seminary would turn to see who's praying, okay? I'd like to pray for my dear friend who lives next door to me in, in this hallway down that other end, very specific, but vague, 
and through the trial he's going through since he met this, this woman in his ministry, and he's trying to discern whether he's going to have an affair with her or stay uh, a, a seminarian. Now everybody's, oh, now who are we talking about? Okay, and this guy is praying. He's not praying. He's baloneying. I couldn't say the right word. You know what I mean? He's therapeutically trying to manipulate God and society, the, the community, to see things his way. This guy is going to leave the seminary and get married. God bless him. If he's going to stay in the seminary, it's not your conscience to decide whether he goes to confession or not. It's his conscience. So we could be encouraged by that. We could be encouraged by the faults or weaknesses of another to do good. To not go like this and point out everybody's fault, everybody's mistake. Whether it's the Pope, whether it's the pastor, whether it's the government, it doesn't matter. We can go like this, but the first person we need to go is like this. To point to ourselves, what is my responsibility when I see an act of injustice or a wrong or a statement with which I disagree? What is my response? To go crazy and riot and make more chaos or to be the loving child of a loving father who gave us a loving son jesus you know a spot but not just a spot the spot actually with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.